This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer. A free-for-all Friday. You're asking to hear something I don't want to say. But if I do say it, I think you ought to hear it. You got anything on your chest besides your chin, you better get it off. All right, then you asked for it. Yes, we did. So lay it on us. Free-for-all Friday means you set the tone. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome and good afternoon. It's Free-for-all Friday. Of course, that's the day when we talk about what you want to talk about. But I'm going to start with something that our colleague Steve Key wants to talk about, and it is certainly big in the news, and that is those biker gatherings. I don't know what they are, processions. Yesterday, hundreds of bikers descended on East End Toronto. It was supposedly a nod to one of their own who died this last December. The police turned it into uh, an intelligence gathering event. They were there taking video of everybody who was there. It was giving them clues on uh, who's who and what's what. And uh, the bikers are going to have an event in Brooklyn tomorrow where Steve lives. So Steve, uh, tell me about that. And what are, what are you doing? Have you changed your Saturday itinerary? Well, first of all, I'll be here working all weekend, but, uh, there's a lot of concern in the community, and I, I think some of it's unwarranted. Uh, the, the Brooklyn chapter of Hells Angels has been operating since 2019, uh, and they're about a mile and a half north of where I live. Wow. Uh, police have really taken this uh, seriously. They've set checkout points uh, where they've closed part of Highway 12, and that's a major north-south route to anyone going uh, to cottage country. Uh, and they're checking every biker coming in and—, and uh, you know, gathering information, making sure that there are no weapons or anything of, of concern. Locally, the people talk about this, but uh, I think things sometimes get blown out of proportion. I'm not condoning what the Hells Angels do, but I'm saying that living next to them for three years, I've yet to have one problem in the community, and maybe that's a good thing. Maybe they're protecting our community. <laughs> Oh my God, that's uh, that's that's quite a statement. But uh, I'm sure that may come as a relief to some people. That people were really nervous about this, and it certainly uh, kind of clogged up an area of Toronto yesterday. I think there are two things that go here. One, uh, police want to gather information. That's part of the working with organized crime. But the second part of this too is they want this to be seamless. So that you do the check-ins, you you keep the order, you make traffic move around it, and you just don't have any additional interaction, and things will be fine. And I'm, I'm pretty sure we're going to get through this weekend without incident. Okay, well, uh, I hesitate to make predictions like that, <laughs> but uh, if there are incidents, you will be here covering them. Covering them. Yeah. Okay, Steve, thanks for the update. And people, if you want to talk about the bikers... Uh, we're here. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740. There's lots of other things to talk about. Uh, very disturbing. Healthcare unions uh, talking about the state of our system, saying we're the Titanic and we are sinking fast. We keep hearing about emergency rooms closing closing because they are not staffed. What do you think of that also on that health file? 90 long-term care homes did not comply with the law stating they had to have air conditioning in place as of a month ago. It's sweltering outside. And on top of that, if there's a COVID outbreak in a home, and there are in quite a number, uh, then people are confined to their rooms. Imagine that without air conditioning. Uh, do you have loved ones in that situation or friends or what do you think of it? The numbers again, 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And I will go right to the phones. Let's begin with Linda in Toronto. Hi, Linda. Hi, thanks for taking my call. 
Um, I'm calling because a lot of us seniors are starting to feel discriminated against by venues and the Canadian government as well because we don't have smartphones and we don't have computers. And just this past week, my daughter ordered a ticket for me from the Royal Winter Fair for a special event that they're having one night to celebrate their anniversary. Uh, when she got my ticket, she found it, the ticket is only available through mobile. So you have to have a smartphone to download the ticket. You can't print them off. So she had to buy herself a ticket as well um, in order for me to be able to go. And she doesn't even want to go to the thing. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a problem. Uh, and, it, you know, frankly, it's going to be an increasing problem as more and more things are done online. I'm surprised they didn't allow you to print it out. Often when they do something like that, you have an option of printing it out. Yeah, she said right on it, it said you could not print your tickets. And it's just the same way with, um, like, I can't travel on my own because I don't have a smartphone. And so I can't do the Arrive Can app. Yep, I hear you. Um, maybe your daughter can help you get a smartphone because uh, it's kind of that's that is the way the world is going. But I certainly understand your frustration and well, think there should be uh, an alternative. But you know what? When it comes to the Arrive Can app, they have enough problems just with the Arrive Can app, which is not necessarily so hot. Linda, I I. Totally hear you. Thanks for your call. Well, see, the problem is um, it's not just the fact of cost. I mean, with a lot of seniors, yes, it's the cost, but it's also our failing eyesight. Like, I've tried to read things on my daughter's cell phone, her smartphone. I can't see it. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that is tough. I, there are some adjustments that you can make. But uh, as I said, I hear your frustration, and there really should be some type of accommodation for you. Uh, we're going to move on to the next call, Flora in Toronto. Hi, Flora. Hi. Go ahead. You're on the air. Um, I had to call and uh, because I lived in the Bronx for 10 years in New York. Mm-hmm. I'm a Canadian. And... Uh, Mike Bloomberg, um, I don't want Mike, what's his name, afford to be like Mike Bloomberg, um, to ha- be the mayor like that, you know, with uh, what was the story about Ottawa? Strong mayors? Yes. I don't want him to do that because he will regret it and he will have to pay the conse- consequences and people will not forgive him. His brother, when I go to Florida, made it all the way to Florida. And there were people were making fun of him. The American people were making fun You're of him. You're talking brother. about Mike Bloomberg? He's, no, no, he's no. in the uh, States. The, so system, the systems not, there are very different. I do not want Ford to do what he said about the mayors. Okay. Thanks for your call. I was wondering if people are engaged in that debate. And, you know, I've been uh, remembering because I've covered all these various things over the years, sometimes a bit hard to remember. So strong mayor proposal goes back. It goes back to Dalton McGinty and uh, David Miller, a former mayor who is a left wing mayor, was actually in favor of it when Dalton McGinty was thinking about it. Now he is very much opposed because it is, well, maybe that's not the reason, but it's coming from Doug Ford and John Tory, who is also uh, um a conservative, maybe something like that. He was the uh, progressive conservative leader at Queen's Park for a while. Uh, so support for that seems to be shifting back and forth, depending on who's the premier and who's the mayor and what their politics are. But the fact is that the mayor of Toronto doesn't have that much power. He can appoint committee chairs. He doesn't have a lot of direct power over who gets key jobs, and he only has one vote on council. And I wrote down some very interesting numbers, and I've always said, first of all, Toronto is an economic engine and the biggest city in the province, and it should 
be able to govern itself more. Uh, we haven't seen the proposal from Doug Ford. Uh, I can't imagine that it will give the city more power versus the province, which is something, frankly, that I'd like to see. But but have a listen to these numbers in terms of how many people directly elect a politician. So the mayor of Toronto gets the most direct votes uh, than anyone else in the entire country. And it doesn't matter who the mayor is because people of Toronto can elect the mayor directly. Uh, the prime minister runs in his riding and the premier, so, as does the premier. So here are the numbers from the most recent elections. John Tory was elected with 479,659 votes. Uh, Premier Ford was elected with 13,934 and Justin Trudeau with 22,848. Uh, so, uh, Tory had a total of nearly 130,000 more votes than both of them combined. So doesn't that say something? And I'm not saying Tory, it's whoever is the mayor of Toronto gets the most direct votes. So, uh, let me know. I would like to know if you think the mayor of Toronto should have more power. Of course, we haven't seen exactly what they have in mind. Uh, tell me. The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And let us go to Clay in Ajax. Hi, Clay. Hi, Libby. How are you today? Fine. How are you? I'm good. I was just saying to your gentleman that answers the phone, uh, Mayor, uh, or not Mayor, sorry, uh, Doug Ford said they'd have air conditioning in the senior home by June. Yep. Anyway, that obviously didn't happen. It didn't happen in 90 of the homes. And uh, I, I think, you know, they're just getting a pass and they're saying, oh, supply chain problems, labor shortage problems, whatever the excuse is. But it's terrible for the people who live there. What else I wanted to bring up, Libby, was you remember Kathleen Wynne mm -hmm. and the bad, bad train accident down in uh, Lake Magana, Quebec? Yep. And they're the talking about putting sprinkler systems in the nursing or in the seniors' homes? Mm hmm. And I said at that point in time, it's not a big job. They just run a pipe across the ceiling and paint it the same color as the ceiling. The seniors wouldn't be upset at all. I just wonder whether anybody's followed up. I know she gave them, instead of giving them interest free loans, she gave them 15 years to comply. I just wonder whether anybody's actually going around and checking to see if any of this is being done. You know what? That's a really good question. Uh, so it was 15 years from when? Do you remember? From from the time that when she was in office. Well, we, she was in office for a few years. So. Yeah, but you know, when, just after Lake McGuintic, uh, Quebec. Accident. Lake McGuintic. Lake McGuintic. Yeah. Right. Uh, we'll we'll look that up. We'll see if the deadline is approaching. But that's a good question. I'm assuming that uh, long-term care homes are in the process of complying. But again, there doesn't ever seem to be consequences when they don't comply for all the huffing and puffing from the province. Though the long-term care minister did say he's the one who told us that 90 homes are not in compliance. But uh, we have yet to hear what the consequence is, if any. Yeah, I know. It's like it's like the inspectors assigned to uh, inspect these homes. You know, <laughs> the amount of inspectors there were and the amount of homes they had to inspect, it, like, it makes you wonder, what are they doing? You know, like, is the inspection being done or not, or what? Uh, well, uh, again, good questions. They are supposed to be being done, but, you know, the past record, not so hot. Yeah, I, I'm a survivor of John's Manville, Libby. I think I mentioned that before. And the minister used to phone on Monday and say, we're coming out Thursday for an inspection. And all the bad stuff would be shut down, eh? You know, it's, it's unreal. Okay, Clay, thanks for your call. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Right. Uh, that is a big issue, I think. And I'd like to see some consequences for not complying. I mean, they keep saying there will be consequences for not complying to their tougher new rules. Where are they? And yes, I know there are supply chain issues. Yes, I know there are labor shortages, but, you know, the good news is the vast majority of long-term care homes have complied. So why are these other ones not complying? Why couldn't they find a way for something that is so important? Okay, 
Tony in Mississauga, you want to talk about our first caller's call uh, about not having a smartphone. Uh, yes, I have run into that problem myself, Libby. Mm-hmm. Uh, my daughter had ordered tickets for me, and of course, they were e-tickets. But what she did is took a screenshot, mm-hmm. and the establishment could not refuse me. Hmm. Just, just an idea. Yeah, that's that. That sounds. I mean, the the other thing. This is what I find very frustrating. Most venues and even uh, companies or agencies that have media relations departments. You know, it used to be there was a name and a phone number. Uh, and, uh, now there are not. They, they tell you, they give you a general email address and it's like going into a black hole. Because the other thing is with a situation like that, in the past, you could have used an old fashioned phone and confirmed with somebody, can I take a screenshot of this? Can I print it out? Why can't I print it out? And now, a lot of those requests, they go into a black hole. You can't get an answer, and there's no one answerable. And I think that's a problem. We need people in all walks of life to be responsible, don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. But in my case, having a screenshot printed worked every time. Okay, well, that's that is that's a that's a good idea. She said that right on the ticket it said don't print it, but maybe a screenshot uh, will. I don't I don't know. Well, uh, that worked with me. Maybe it will work with everybody else. I okay. don't know either. Okay. Anyway, good job, Libby. Have a good day. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay, I'm looking at the clock. It is time for the first break. We'll have more of your calls and comments when uh, we come back from the break. But let me give the numbers again. 416-360-0740. Toll free 1-866-740-4740. We'll be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight back with Libby Snymer. When one considers the meaning of life, it is a struggle between alternative viewpoints of life itself. A free-for-all Friday. And without the ability to defend one's own viewpoint against other, perhaps more aggressive ideologies, then reasonableness and moderation could quite simply disappear. Name your topic and be as deep as you like, as long as there's a point in there somewhere. Here is Libby Snymer. Welcome back to this free-for-all Friday. As always, there is a lot to talk about. The numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Let's go to David in Toronto. And you want to talk about Rogers and that huge outage a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I got a cold call from them this week, and there was four things they covered off. One, they apologized for the outage. <laughs> Two, they reminded me that um, my bill will be credited at some point in time. Three, they told me the call was being recorded for quality purposes and training purposes. And then four, they gave me a sales call asking me to bundle things. <laughs> Did you I laugh was, in their I, general direction? I was attacked. I said to the guy, so listen, I'm incensed by you doing this. You think you would let the dust settle before you start to call people and ask for money? Well, exactly. And one of, one of the, uh, takeaways from all of that is, is maybe bundling is a bad idea. Maybe we want to unbundle, even though it will probably cost us even more. Yeah, exactly. One last thing, Libby. Um, if the, uh, province is willing to give the mayors, um, more power, why don't they give the cities more autonomy for raising their own taxes? Uh, well, uh, yep. That's, uh, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the, they want to give the province more power, the mayor's more power. We haven't seen the shape of that, but I strongly suspect they're not going to give the city more power vis-a-vis the province. Uh, so right now the city is very limited in ways that they can uh, raise money and uh, the province can block it. And remember Kathleen Wynne was premier. Yep. Uh, there was an idea to put some tolls on the gardener and she uh, blocked it. Right. Yes. Yep. So but if, they, if they turn around the city of Toronto, Hey, it's your road. You can toll it. Then the only people that will be really upset will be the people in Toronto that won't vote for those people that put on the toll. Well, exactly, and and or the people in the suburbs who uh, you know pay their taxes elsewhere. 
So anyways. Yep. Uh, so and one more note about Rogers. So they fired their chief technology officer, a guy by the name of Jorge Fernandez or George Fernandez. I don't know how. And uh, I read that he may be eligible for millions in a payout. Severance. <laughs> I know. It's, it's not fair. <laughs> All righty, David. Thanks for your call. All right. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Okay. John, you also want to talk about Internet and the costs of Internet. Hi, John. Hi. I'll be very brief. I got a letter in the mail, and it simply states, participating Internet service providers are offering low-cost Internet to hundreds of thousands of Canadians. If you're on the GRC, this is what you get from Canada. 50 Mbps download, whatever that means, and 10 Mbps upload, whatever that means, 200 GB of data for $20 a month, or I signed up for the 100 GB of data for $10 per month, and uh, I took the letter to the library. It's from Government of Canada connecting people through ISED. It's administrated by Innovation Science and Economic Development Canada. And um, I thought it would be good, so the bell came in. No price for the modem, no rental for the modem, installation is free, and no contract. Um, and then I went out and bought an Acer Chromebook, but I haven't turned it on yet. I've had it for three months, but at least I'm connected. <laughs> I think it's time to turn it on. You're paying 10 bucks a month. You got a really good deal, but thank you for sharing that with us. And it's uh, renewed every year. You're given a um, reassessment every year for the eligibility of participating connecting families initiative, and you're given a code, and then that gets you set for another 12 months. And, and you have to be on, on uh, what government program to qualify? Um, as a recipient of the maximum guaranteed income supplement. Right. You're, okay. You're so it's it's for people who are on lower incomes. Yeah. Uh, but that is good to know. Uh, you know, I don't know if the impediment is always the cost, though obviously it's significant. Uh, is there are people who just uh, don't have, know how to operate smartphones and uh, don't really have a good way to learn it or are hesitant about it. So there are all kinds of barriers. John, thanks for bringing that up. Appreciate it. Okay, bye. Bye. Okay, what is next here? Let me give the numbers again. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Let's go to Kevin in Burlington. Hello, Kevin. Hi, Libby. You're on the air. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, my comment I wanted to make was about uh, the passport situation. Um, just a quick note. I've been kind of watching or whatever, and uh, it seems like they're Passport people, I don't think that they're putting it over time. Like, I don't see the offices getting extended by an hour or two at night or working Saturdays. Seems like they're just the lineups are continuing on and nothing's really changing. Like, in the real world, if you got a deadline and you got a situation, it seems like, you know, you got to do what you got to do, work overtime and put a little extra effort to get the deadline or get the job solved, right? And in the and, real world, even in the Rogers real world, if there was such a massive screw up, the person in charge would have been fired. But uh, the minister in charge who did not foresee this, did not make arrangements for this. Well, uh, no consequence there. Oh, right. No consequence. But on the other side, too, I want to comment about the nurses, how they're grinding them out. Yep. Working them all this overtime, stressing them out. Max, you know, double shifts, et cetera. And they're, you know, getting all tired and worn out. But yet you don't see anything like this happening at the government end of the passport deal. Well, I, I think there might be a gap in the commitment and the dedication of our healthcare workers and perhaps some of our government workers. I don't want to tar them all. A lot of them work really hard and do a great job, but uh, we see the mess and we see, uh, frankly, uh, a lack of responsibility. You know, our system is supposed to have ministerial responsibility. And if something really bad goes wrong on your watch and you're in charge, you have to step down. 
you know, whether That's it's perfect. directly your fault or not. And right. that does That's not right. happen. You're, so I don't know how it gets fixed, but it's just not fair. That just seems to capital as well as the government. They run it and they just really poorly run. Yep. You know, at all levels of government, there are a lot of basic things that are not getting done. You know, we have overflowing garbage cans in the city. We have water fountains that don't work. All kinds of things like that. Uh, very basic things that are not happening. And, uh, you know, we, we talked to Gil Peñalosa, who is running for mayor, and I asked him about that. And we have also very well-paid and unionized workforces in those places. And he seemed to say that he would provide leadership and inspire people to work harder. So I don't know. But a lot of basic things are not happening. And I think that for a lot of levels of government, it's time to, you know, get back to the basics. Pretty standard. Yes. Uh, that's all I have to say. Okay, Kevin, thank you for that. Okay, Sita in Mississauga. You want to talk about cats on leashes? <laughs> Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good, thanks. Um, more birds die, die by flying into windows. So um, I do board watching every day. It's very therapeutic. But we don't need cats on leash because we need to get rid of the rats problem. Okay, so well, you know what, these- I don't know if you missed it, but yesterday, uh, in a show of sense, sense and sensibility, the city council in Toronto voted down the proposal to require cats to be on leashes. So, uh, Kitty is free. Oh, good. Yes, I was listening, but I didn't catch the end part of it. But anyway, why don't these councillors use their time and effort and put pressure on different levels of government to improve improve more important issues? Well, they say they're doing that as well, but uh, they seem to get uh, distracted with that kind of thing too. Exactly. They had, they have. They're, I think they're still meeting. They have a very big agenda, but it's their last meeting before the election, which is in October. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not going to question their schedule, but really, the, what are we in? We're in done. July, August, September, October. I mean, you know, uh, you're not meeting for two and a half months. I'm sure they're still working on something, but maybe they wouldn't have a, an agenda hundreds of items long if they met a little more often. Yeah, but will you work on the most important thing, like AC for the seniors and stuff like that? That's provincial and... Uh, it is, but if they put a pressure on the higher level and uh, to get things done, because they're making promises and they're not delivering. Okay, thank you for that, Sita. Thank you. Take Okay. All righty. Who is next? Helen in Toronto. Hi, Helen. Hi. Mine sort of piggybacks on your last caller. I was fortunate my mother was in a wonderful home. Uh, many years ago, I remember uh, when there were problems with people sleeping on the street, which there still are, some executives ended up spending a night on the street. I think those who are not looking after our seniors, we're all getting there, uh, ought to spend a week in a senior's home eating the food they eat, sleeping in the rooms without air conditioners, especially if it's a room that has more than one person, and living the life of a senior, you might change your mind. You uh, that's a very idea. interesting suggestion, Helen. Thanks for that. Okay, take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, let us go to Karen in Etobicoke. Before that, let me give you the numbers again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. There are a lot of of different things that are on people's minds today. So we can get to all of them. We're talking about the internet, requirements to do everything on a smartphone. Uh, And uh, we've been talking about the smart mayor thing. Whatever is on your mind. Uh, Also, the lack of air conditioning in 90 of our senior homes and what are the consequences of that. But let us go to Karen in Etobicoke. Hi, Karen. Hi, Libby. Um, my subject today I'd like to talk about is nexus. I hear a lot of people talking about the passports. We applied for our nexus almost two and a half years ago, realized there's a major backlog. 
Um, and we have heard the last notification we got was that they were going to be opening the U.S. offices regarding your police check and fingerprinting, but Canada is just nowhere near. Uh, like they, they just say they just don't know when they're they're going to be open. And I just wondered if any of the government officials got to look into this and. And well, like, it's an American thing. It's up to Americans. They're the ones who uh, authorize Nexus. If you want to go to the states. Oh well, I thought it was just to get through quickly. The lineup at the right, but you're getting through to the United States, so it's the Americans that have to check you out. Oh, but they do have offices up here, though, too. Well, um, I like like a lot of people have. Uh, my daughter and son-in-law went to the one like close to the airport. They were at the airport, and like before everything closed down with the right. pandemic. Right. Well, maybe you should get in touch with them if they are operating and see what the deal is. But Yeah, but apparently they're not because we were talking to a customs um, officer, um, I guess, on Tuesday. And uh, she was saying she'd like to get into that department. And uh, uh, though these are Canadian offices just aren't opening for yet for the police check or the... Well, that's a bit, again, that's up to the Americans to open them. So ah. there have been some stories written on this. Uh, you know, you could Google it, but, uh, you know, that's up to them. Uh, and the backlog is huge. It's not any better than our own passport. Uh, yes, yes, I understand that. Yeah, we're like, like one in thousands. Okay, thanks but, for that. Okay, you're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Okay, Jeff in Port Perry, you want to talk about my comment on cats on leashes? Hi, Libby. Yeah, Hi. Hi, your show is so interesting today. I want to talk about everything, but I'll just pick one subject. Um, I was disappointed to hear you say it sounds like it was a um, careless decision on, on uh, to even consider whether cats should be controlled. Um, I wrote to city council before the bylaw was, was decided upon and gave them two papers that I wrote that spoke. Jeff, I'm having trouble hearing you. You are cutting out. Oh, I'm I'm in a car um, in an area that has poor internet, so I'll I'll, I'll try to speak more slowly, perhaps. Uh, what I was what I was saying was that I wrote to council to to the city and gave them two papers that outlined the impact that our cats, whether they're feral or they're pets, are having on wildlife, and the numbers are shocking. They're in the hundreds of millions of animals that are killed every year in Canada and the billions that are killed across the globe. Yeah, uh, Jeff, uh, we talked about those papers and there are other experts that have other explanations for it. Uh, They're saying that that those birds, it's mostly birds, are actually more of them are killed by bumping into glass, by insecticide and pesticides and all kinds of other things. So, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, those are the two sides of the argument. But the other one is that, uh, you know, who's going to enforce that bylaw? You know, we can't enforce the bylaws that we have. I understand, but the, the simple, the simple answer. Okay, Jeff, I'm sorry we just lost you. Uh, sorry about that. That's reception. Okay, I am looking at the clock, and it is time for another break. Uh, let me give the numbers out again before we go to break. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. We'll be back after the break. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer, a free-for-all Friday. Step up, say your piece, and we promise not to interrupt. Just be lively about it. We have a lot of listeners hanging on your every word. 
Here is Libby Zneimer. Welcome back to this Free For All Friday. And you know they say timing is everything. And we just had a caller asking and talking about the backlog of Nexus applications, which makes it which make it easier to cross the border into the U.S. And I just saw an update on this, and I hope she is still listening and anybody else who's interested. So the centers that have allowed you to get access here in Canada have been shut since the pandemic began. And uh, now it is something different that is keeping them from reopening. And apparently, this is according to the National Post, it is a lingering dispute over allowing American customs officers to carry guns in Canada. So for the moment, that standoff means that any Canadian who needs to visit an enrollment center will have to go to an American location. So, caller, I hope that you are listening. But uh, that's really quite interesting, isn't it? It's not about the pandemic. It is about guns, carrying guns, Americans carrying guns in Canada. So uh, I think that's fairly useful information. And let's head to the calls. Okay. Phil in Oakville. Hi, Phil. Hi, how are you doing? Fine, um, how are you? Not too bad. It's a little hot today, and I think uh, in the past there's kind of a history with the Toronto Council that it was quite dysfunctional for 10 to 30 years, <laughs> and uh, I'd hasten to say that maybe part of Rob Ford's deep fall into addiction might have been heralded by his inability to get things done, and I know that his, his brother came along in the city council quagmire and was, uh, you know, defining it by reducing the size of the city council. Cause what you had is a kind of, I wouldn't want to say left wing, but a uh, certain, a cabal of councillors that sent things back into, uh, research or, or just to redefine what this thing is and that we're trying to pass. Uh, a lot of frustration and getting things done has led to this strong mayor attempt here. Well, and uh, like I said, it goes back before, uh, before Rob Ford or Doug Ford. And, uh, it seems to be that to a certain extent, whether you are in favor of it or not depends on whether you're left or right. David Miller, who is opposed to it now, was in favor of it when he was the mayor and Dalton McGuinty was the premier. Liberals in the NDP. Now there's John Tory, who's a conservative, Doug Ford, who's in a, a conservative, though they used to be, you know, they used to be enemies. Now there's a bromance. So there are all these other factors. I mean, I've, I've seen cartoons today that are painting this as as, uh, you know, they say revenge is a dish best served cold and Doug Ford is getting back at his former enemies at city council and, and who the heck knows. But yeah, um, I think there's no question that certainly things move along at city council faster with 25 rather than 40. Uh, I also I hear 47, uh, whatever. But, uh, yeah. I also well, hear I, from I, I, people just regular folks, citizens who complain that they don't have a real opportunity to have a say in things. So, you know, democracy, what can I say? Thanks for your call. Thank you. Okay. Ron in Guelph. Hi, Ron. Hi, Libby. Uh, You know what? I think a few of the uh, the callers and you have taken the uh, thunder out of my, my statement because Everything that has been said, David Miller, I was around. I remember David Miller advocating for this. How long ago? Why it never took place then? And now all of a sudden for him to decide it's not okay. Well, I don't know what you want to call it. Irony, hypocritical, whatever it is, but it's long overdue. Uh, Well, yeah. Don't forget, we don't know what they mean by it. So we have to see what this proposal actually looks like and what extra powers it gives the mayor. And John Tory has said he will still uh, govern by consensus if he's still the mayor. And uh, really, the mayor kind of has to, I think. I mean, we're not Chicago here. Uh, no, I, you know what? Maybe I, you just 
here again, I was just going to say we're not Chicago with Mayor Daly and and uh, you're reading like my that. mind, <laughs> or I'm reading yours. I don't know. But anyway, no, I mean, it, and this is good legislation because you know the mayor isn't going to be able to run rampant uh, like some of the. I can think of New York City as well as Chicago. And I mean, there's, you have to have a two thirds majority and two thirds of the councillors can still overrule anything that the mayor says, which I think is an excellent idea. Okay. Hard to imagine that you get uh, two thirds of the council on much of anything, but. Well, that's why that, that's why that other, that's why Doug Ford, I thought it was a great idea when they lowered the number of councillors. And that was uh, long overdue. That's way too dysfunctional. Um, has been for many years. There's some of those counselors on there that are way past their due date and should be, there should be a, they're suggesting time limits on counselors. That's not a bad idea either. Well, you know what? We're going to have a lot of change this year and some really good people are leaving the field. We've got Anna Bailau leaving in Davenport, Denzel Minnan-Wong leaving, John Fillion leaving. So there is going to be, I, I, I don't know if you can call it a generational change, but yeah, we had Kristen Wong-Tam was elected provincially, as was Michael Ford. So there is going to be a fair amount of change this time around. Well, I, the only thing is I'd like to see, they're talking about Toronto and Ottawa. Well, um, how about London, Ontario? And I mean, there's a lot of other cities that, with some adjustments onto the legislation. Um, I mean, I can see this applying to a lot of other places. I don't know how this would work, though, in regions. Like the uh, Ottawa, uh, Ottawa has a mayor. Waterloo has a regional um, council and mayor. But Kitchener and Waterloo still each have their own mayor. So, I mean, there is adjustments uh, that was thought to be made to expand it. Well, my understanding is that this would be some kind of, you know, pilot or initial phase. And if, if it works out, it would be expanded out to other municipalities like London or Brampton. Um, Ron, thanks a lot for your call. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, bye. Bye. Okay. Bill in Toronto, you want to talk about Patrick Brown? Yeah, you guys have really tweaked me on Patrick Brown. I, I didn't like him so much, but uh, I was listening to the show on uh, Monday, and we were talking about Patrick Brown. And so I decided to do a bit of research, and I found this uh, a, a digital uh, news website in Brampton. It's called The Pointer. Oh, yeah, we, we, we uh, read The Pointer, yes. Yeah, I mean, I consume all kinds of stuff. I mean... And so, anyways, I researched this, and I found out some interesting things about Patrick Brown. And these guys seem to document it extremely well. So the ethics commissioner they just fired, she's been out at, at Patrick Brown's campaign uh, uh, event over the years. And she stood up and defended him when he had the issue with the sexual uh, issues and whatever. And her husband actually worked for Patrick Brown. So how can you... Uh, have an ethics commissioner that that supports your campaign, and her husband works for you. I mean that that that's totally ridiculous. And the other thing I found, I mean, there's a litany of things if you go and you check it out. There, there's but, in uh, Brampton, Bill. I'm, I'm uh, you, you go ahead, but there is a litany of things on every player in and previous mayors in Brampton. I mean, it is a, a place of you know, lots of controversy and all kinds of stuff happening, but please go ahead. Yeah, well, I think politics is where rot goes to die, but anyways, that's another story. <laughs> the, the right, so he, he hires his right-hand man, the, uh, uh, what was it, I can't remember, AOC or whatever they call it, who basically runs the city, He's in charge of 4,000 employees, has no background in it. He hired him from Niagara Falls, and his, uh, uh his uh, communications director, he hired them. They were both fired from Niagara Falls for corruption. And there's an, uh, they, they reference the uh, documentation from the Ontario Ombudsman that documents all these things these guys did wrong. The minute they lost their job in Niagara, they showed up uh, at uh, in Brampton working for Brown. I mean, 
this goes up. And one of the other things there's is, there's and I say for every for every one of those uh, accusations, there's an explanation and a counter accusation. I'm just saying the place seems to be a bit. I know, but I, I mean, hesitate to say if, cesspool. But if you read if, if you read through these articles, I've, I mean, there, there comes a point when it goes over the edge. But the one thing that really amazed me on Monday when you had your panel on. And the guy is going on about Polyev being a racist. And, you know, Polyev... I, I wasn't he, here on Monday, so I'm... I know. I'm just... I'm going to yeah. tell you. But, so, anyway, your, your guest on Monday with Jane said Polyev's a racist. And the man's married to a woman of color. He's got biracial kids. And after... I, I actually phoned in on Monday. And then after that, the they guy... They take your call? Down on again. I mean, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I don't like a lot of name calling, but we try to let our guests sort of say what they want. Uh, um, I and I, I didn't hear the conversation. I was in a medical appointment, so yeah. um, uh, I'm glad you called in. I hope they took your call, Bill. They did, but you know what? The one thing is, I didn't want to tell them because uh, two hours before I put my ballot in for to, to elect. Uh, 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 Mr. Uh, Polyev as the uh, the new leader of the party. So I didn't want to tell him that because he probably would have called me a racist. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> I, that that's a bit far fetched. Bill, thanks for your call and have a good weekend. Okay, let us go to Lucy in Etobicoke. Hi, Lucy. Hi, Libby. I was just listening yesterday. I heard uh, David Crombie, our former little perfect mayor. Yes. Old enough to remember him when he when I was young and he was the mayor. And he seemed to feel, and he's a conservative, he seemed to feel that increasing the uh, powers of the mayor was not necessary, that um, the other speaker that you had who's running up against John Tory also um, mentioned that nothing in the agenda did not get passed that you know, that the mayor did not want to get passed, so I don't see why there's a need. Now, I do un- uh, to increase the, the the powers, but I do believe that Toronto needs more power. Three million people, I think we should become our own province. <laughs> you know what? My brother had that thought many, many years ago, and uh, I definitely think Toronto's should have more power, but uh, we have to see what's in this proposed legislation. Mm-hmm. However, I would say I would be very surprised if there's anything in there that actually diminishes the power of the province vis-a-vis Toronto. Well, and to me, two-thirds, it's hard to get, like, if, if when you in a democracy, getting two-thirds, if we get a mayor that isn't good, then you can, they'll do a lot of damage before you can take them out. So I don't think two-thirds, to me, is too high. At most, half that they're going to increase the mayor's power. But I think with three million people, we're bigger than some of the provinces in the rest of Canada. We should be our own province. Well, you know what? Uh, Prince Edward Island is smaller than Scarborough. Well, there we go. And they're their own <laughs> province, and yet Toronto, we get neglected. I, I think as a Torontonian, born and raised, I think we need uh, Toronto needs more power, and we should not be, um, you know, um, subjected to all the other places and what they think, and then we suffer with the, the, the uh, three million people. Okay. I hear you, Lucy. Thanks for your call. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye. Okay. Let's go to Bill in Toronto. Speaking of Toronto, go ahead, Bill. Hello. Hello. You're on the air. Uh, Go ahead. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, born and raised in Toronto. And uh, maybe you can kind of give me your sort of take on it. Why is it it seems that with all the construction, development, and this ongoing disrepair of the city, nothing seems to get done and nothing seems to come to fruition anytime soon? Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think we are in a place in a spot where a lot of basics are being neglected. And actually, one of the councillors that we were talking to this week, Councillor Pasternak, wants a review of some of the spots that are being held up by construction, but it doesn't look like a lot of construction is happening there. So, I mean, yeah, driving um, around well, or even walking around is, is an obstacle course. 
Yeah, well, it's sort of uh, a bit numbing trying to get around because, uh, you know, uh, aside from the war on cars and there's no extra infrastructure being done with roadways or expansion, I find it curious how the city or Metro Hall seems to have no problem uh, leasing out parts of streets uh, uh, for restaurants uh, to have as patios to sort of exacerbate things. And well, you know what, myself, that that program... I have to tell you, is actually very popular. It's good for our local businesses. But yeah, certainly it takes up space. But it's a conflict of interest. The taxpayers pay for those streets to use their vehicles on, not for the city to make money off of at the expense of us and inconvenience. And this is, you know, these are... These are sort of what I call, you know, sort of insults to injury kind of thing to make things even worse than what they are. And uh, uh, everything seems to be bottled up. I don't think you'd get a lot of buy-in on the cafe to thing. It, it it was made permanent because it was extremely popular. You know, and then this sort of uh, you know fitness, uh, whatever they call it. Oh, really oh shut down. active to yeah, active to. What are we living in? Some socialist uh, place where the government tells me <laughs> where or when I should exercise, and there's all <laughs> kinds of different places for that. They're going to literally shut down a major artery on weekends when everything else is screwed up and have people put up with this nonsense. It's like these mental cases, it's like they're running the the insane asylum. Who makes these decisions to do this stuff? And why are they pandering to these kinds of things? I don't get it. Uh, Uh, You know, I just don't understand, you know, what this is all about in the end. Okay, well, well, yeah, it's it's city council. That's active TO, uh, and it is controversial for keeping it because some Mm. people, a lot of people, think the time has passed. But that was another thing that was extremely popular, certainly uh, at the height of the pandemic when it was put in. But you know what, Bill? I'm sorry. I'm looking at the clock. I'm almost out of time. (laughs) I hope we've given you an opportunity to vent and that you have a great weekend. But but I'll I'll, I'll say this to end it off. We have bike lanes everywhere. Okay, Bill. shut down a major road? Bill, I'm out of time. Thanks for your call. Yeah, that's that's one of our purposes here. You know, have a vent. And uh, get on with your day, and I hope everybody has a great day and a great weekend. I'm actually taking a week of vacation. Marissa Lennox is going to be here, uh, and I'm sure you will have a very lively time with her. And that is all the time we have for Fight Back for today and for this week. I'm Libby Snymer. We'll talk soon. Fight Back with Libby Snymer is produced by Zeev Hadi. With technical production by Jordan Chakravarti and Jeremy Logan. Check out the Fight Back podcast anytime at zoomerradio.ca or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Zoomer Radio Toronto. CFZM FM and CFZM AM. Owned and operated by MZ Media Incorporated. Good afternoon. I'm Steve Key with your one o'clock Zoomer Radio News. Heat warning remains in effect, hot and humid conditions. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.